Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to today's service as we worship the Lord today. Um, I was just thinking about how wonderful it is to have family around you, uh, regardless of what they do. Um, it's great to have family around you. We celebrated yesterday as a family, Katie side. And next week we'll celebrate with my family, and it's just a wonderful time of the year. Um, and I want just to remind everyone, for those that still have people in their family that they can hug, hug, hug them closely, okay? And for those that have lost someone, light a candle. Just remember them, because. Sometimes we're reminded of them in the oddest of times, the oddest of places, but especially this time of year. Okay. Today's sermon. Christ's restoration. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I wanted to introduce the sermon with a story of Christmas kindness. It's entitled, The Postman Lifted Us Up from Depression. My parents... The writer says, at the height of the depression, we're forced to go on home relief, which is known as welfare today. It was 1935, and when the author was 10 years old, they lived on the first floor of a walk-up apartment on 43rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. A few days before Christmas, I looked out the kitchen window to see my father sitting on the stoop, dejected and depressed, with tears in his eyes. The mailman was approaching our building and asked my father what was wrong. I heard my father say that he had used up his food vouchers and that the rent was passed due. He had tried to work as a laborer through the Works Progress, Progress Administration, but he wasn't a very strong man, and the work had been too hard for him. I was scared, having seen newspaper pictures of people being out on the street with all of their belongings. Ike, how much do you need? The mailman asked. My dad said he needed $33 for rent. And without hesitation, the mailman took $50 from his wallet and handed it to my father. My dad said, I don't know when I'll be able to pay you back. The mailman put his arm around my father and said it would be okay to pay him back, or even if he didn't pay him back at all. The mailman noticed me through the window and said, Isaac, things will not be this way forever. If you or your son will remember this day, there will be times in the future when someone needs your help. Help them with your means and tell them what happened to this day. This will be my payback. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. As long as he lives, my father helped others out when he could, and I've done my best to do my part in paying his generosity back. Martin Clapper, Longmont, Colorado. As we end the sermon series, The Unexpected King, let's discuss about how, and how Jesus not only surrendered himself to live amongst us, to show us that same kindness, but how his mission was to restore us back to himself. Jesus was the unexpected king who brought us out of our own sin to give us the chance of a relationship with God. Why was Jesus born for us? What was his purpose? Is he coming back to us? 
What does a life free from sin look like? How can Jesus restore us? And what must we do to restore? The reason. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the story of God and us. First, God created all of us out of his supreme creativity and love. Everything we see is out of God's supreme creativity and love for us. Second, we enjoy an unbroken relationship with him. Unbroken, a tight bond where people could walk with God. Third, we decided out of our own free will to choose something over God. It's ourselves. Fourth, we now allow sin to be in our lives and to be in the world. Fifth, this sin not only broke us, but broke our relationship with God. That's what sin does. The aftermath of this choosing. A broken relationship with God, resulting in a misconstruing of what love is. That's what we have. A misconstruing of what love is between us and God, between ourselves and others, between ourselves and all of creation, and between us and ourselves. We're broken within ourselves, too. And after that choosing, the world was thrown into chaos and calamity, as we see evident by wars, rumors of wars, famines, mudslides, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, pandemics. All of these things are the result of our choosing sin over God. And let me tell you, creation is constantly working to not break itself down utterly and completely. We still have good things in this world, don't we? It's constantly working with us and with creation to not completely break down and disappear. The plan. God saw us make our fatal mistake, but still loved us. He set his plan of redemption and restoration in motion. And throughout scripture we see that he was there along the way. With scripture demonstrating his hand in the pruning and growing of a certain people group, the Israelites, or the Hebrews, from which salvation would arise. And God knew what he had to do to save us from a life without him. The person of salvation, Jesus, the Son of God, gave himself up to be a part of our creation, his creation. Jesus was born of Mary, a chosen woman of God and a virgin, not yet knowing a man. This woman was special, called amongst all people of Israel, the specific lineage of David, betrothed to a specific man who was born of Bethlehem, to have a baby in a time of Roman Empire, oppression, and a time where women were not uplifted. She was chosen to uplift us all. Jesus. His divinity stayed intact, but was housed and interacted with humanity 
to leave not only a lasting impact on the world, but on Mary herself. Now let's take a little science lesson in for a second. Something I just learned recently. And we talked about this before. Katie and I talked about this. When babies are formed, the placenta, the thing that is formed and feeds the baby, and eventually the umbilical cord is formed and then attached to the mother, but the placenta is first. It is a representation of the father and mother's DNA coming together. And when they test the DNA, they see that there's the father's DNA and the mother's DNA. And then there's the baby. Quite literally, the placenta of Mary was divinity and man meeting for the first time. Now isn't that something? Jesus. Let's talk a little bit more about him. Yeshua, or Joshua, was Jesus' Hebrew name, meaning Yahweh is salvation. He literally was named according to his purpose to be here on this earth. And Christ comes from the Greek, anointed one. So we call him Jesus Christ. Yahweh is salvation, the anointed one. The anointed one who saves. He came and was born as we celebrated yesterday, as we celebrate throughout the year, but specifically yesterday, in this time. He came and he lived a perfect and blameless life, preparing himself to be sacrificed at our own hand. He did all of this to save us. And let's look into our scripture passage speaking of this salvation. Turn or scroll to Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Paul is writing to Titus here. Another one of his personal letters. Um, this is not to a church body, but to a specific person. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. I was reading from the New Living Translation. It tends to be my favorite one um, that I read from. Scripture breakdown. The grace, or the unmerited favor, of God came to us as Jesus in the form of a human baby. What an unexpected king coming to this world as an unsuspecting little baby, growing up amongst us. What a day. What a life. What a decision. And Jesus grew up in the sinful and broken world, demonstrating his supreme love for all of us. He bought us. He brought to us 
the perfect way for us to be saved. Utter sacrifice, and then overwhelming victory over death. And Christ did not discriminate. He saved us all. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And more scripture breakdown. We cannot save ourselves to do anything to be or do anything to be saved. We we cannot save ourselves. Left to our own devices, we would get some of us would get really close and then fall. Some of us wouldn't try. And some of us would fail time and time and time again. But we cannot do anything to save ourselves. Only Jesus can. But we can turn our lives around. And with the help and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, to begin a life, living a life, holy and pleasing to Him. We are called once to salvation. And again, to live like Jesus did here on this earth. We are called to live in wisdom and honor to the Lord, not living selfishly, which is the root of sinfulness. All other sins, I believe, are secondary to our selfishness and pride. Sin. Next, using our free will to choose not to put God in the center of our life, and it's the beginning of every other sin. When we put ourselves, another person, an idea, a practice, a created being, a created object, a form of study, or anything else above a relationship with God, we have opened up the whole wide world of possibilities to commit other sins. A major manifestation of choosing self over God, over and over again, causes one to deny God completely. Has anyone met anyone like that? Where they just deny God completely? And you wonder how they got there? It's because they kept choosing something over God over and over and over again. Whether it's their self, their family, their job, <laughs> a hobby, something bad, something worse. People get into that. Even choosing good things over and over again. It's not a God thing. It's not the right thing. Sin. That's our problem. Not the behaviors, thoughts, or actions that we do. It's not the real problem. But our free will, choosing ourselves over and over again, over God. And our world is full of people with brokenness apparent. But nothing is more detrimental than the selfishness and pride in which we live. And pride is not just an overfocus of oneself, whether positive or negative, but a desire to think of oneself to be God. That's our problem. That's our issue. That's what we have going on in our world. But, God did something so amazing in his grace and his love that he sent Jesus to save us all. And through the power 
of what Jesus did on the cross. For us, we are saved. Through his overcoming of death, we can live with him again. And Jesus restores our souls back to God. Who? God, in turn, restores us back to ourselves, other people, and all of creation. Remember, we cannot save ourselves. Only through Jesus can we be saved. Hope for the future. As we hear the call to Jesus, his grace and salvation are freely given to us. And when we accept this gift, just like when we accept presents on Christmas or our birthdays, and we unwrap it, we didn't do anything for that, right? Because God, because someone loved us enough to give us we are then set forth to have a right relationship with God. And as we grow in our relationship with God, we become more and more like the people we were meant to be. Sometimes we fall. <laughs> and we get hurt, but God is right there, like a loving parent, to pick us right up. And saying, it's okay, we'll try this again. God wants us to be more and more like the people we were meant to be. And as we become more like Christ, who is our example, we await his return back to the earth to finish that restoration he began through himself. Oh, what a day. To see the birds and the bugs and the flowers and the trees and the oceans and the animals of all other kinds being restored at peace with each other and with us. And we live in a time of Advent again. Closer and closer to the triumphant return to Jesus than that time of Paul and the writing of Titus and the writing of all of the other letters of the New Testament. They thought they were in the, the end times themselves. But I think we're a little closer. I mean, time has shown we're a little closer than they are. When that will happen, no one knows. Don't ask me. Don't ask Pastor Mark. Don't ask another pastor. Don't ask another person. They don't know. But we are living in a time of great anticipation for Advent for Jesus' return again. And that passage in Titus reminds us both of that initial arrival of Jesus and his return to gather his people to him again. And we must be ready for his return. Not in a sense of fear or trembling of obedience, but in a sense of hope for full restoration, where we can live a life free from sin. And that was the point of Paul's writing in that section right there. So live a life free of sin. I don't know what that looks like for everyone necessarily, but I know it looks like Jesus in whatever way God wants you to be like Jesus. Not everyone
everyone's going to be exactly the same. We're not, it's not like a cookie cutter cutout. And we know, even when we cut out those cookies, they don't always turn out the right way. Sometimes the star looks like a blobfish. <laughs> sometimes the tree looks like an arrow. And sometimes Frosty the Snowman just looks like a lump of coal. <laughs> but that's okay. God loves you anyway. Even if you look like a lump of coal, <laughs> and you smell like one too, <laughs> God loves you anyway, and wants you to share that love too. And remember, Christ not only saved us, this is our sermon in a sentence, but it's, he is restoring us in all of creation. What does that mean? What does that look like? What's restoration? Well, has anyone ever taken something old? made it new again, like a car, a piece of pottery, even a piece of paper can be made new again, over and over. It's almost as infinitely recyclable as glass, but glass doesn't break down as fast. Restoration. When Jesus came to save us, he also came to redeem us to himself and to restore all of us and creation. The restoration of humanity to God began with Jesus' sacrifice to us. He tore that veil. He made the way. He said, this is my son who I've given to you so that you may live again with me. The restoration of humanity to itself begins when we learn to love others, especially when we learn to love others who are different from ourselves. The restoration of humanity to creation begins when we follow through with God's calling on our lives. That's that third call. That first call is to salvation. That second call is to restoration to ourselves. That third one is to restoration to all and all of creation cries out for us to restore it to its original goodness. There are some animals out there that need help. There are people out there that need help. There are buildings and landscapes and environments that need our help. We're not stuck in our building to just sit here and listen and worship. Good things, great things. Learning, listening, worshiping. But we play a huge role in that restoration of God. We the church. We play a huge role in that. We should be leading the way. Not government entities. Not international communities. Not celebrities that are followers. But us, the church. We're the ones to lead the way. We shouldn't leave the world a worse place when we leave it, but strive to make it better. How? How are you going to do this? I mean, you could just pick up a shovel, or a rake, or a flower, or a seed, or some clothes for people, or some toys for kids. But that may not take the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But God wants to empower us with this Holy Spirit. 
He wants us to do the hard things that will make a way for him in people's lives. Christ came not only to save us, but he's restoring us in all of creation. I hope that in today's sermon you are inspired and that you are challenged and that you remember God and what he's done for you. I don't care how small or how big, but God said something for you and you're supposed to share it with somebody. He's came to restore us to himself, to each other, and to all of creation. As we think about the end of the year, the beginning of a new think about beginning a new something not a resolution not to lose five pounds by Valentine's Day or ten or whatever <laughs> if you want to you can don't you can't be doctor recommended of course but do something that calls us to restoration do something out of love and out of the goodness of your heart and out of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come upon us today in a new and a fresh way that inspires us and empowers us to restore our little piece of the world. Give us a clear answer. Give us a clear path. And for those who are unsure, give them confidence. And for those who are uneasy, give them peace. For those who feel weak, make them strong. For those who are haughty, make them humble. For those of us who want something now, Give us the strength to get through it. For you are calling us to restore all things as Jesus began his work in us. Let him continue to work in us and through us so that you may be glorified and revealed to others. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for all you've done for us and will continue to do for us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in case you don't remember, you're following Jesus, you're sent. <clears throat> I know. Okay, you're going to be sent shortly, as soon as other people tell you that you're sent. But I'm going to remind you now of something that I was reminded of while we were speaking, uh, while, and now we, Aaron was speaking and we were listening to the Spirit. Uh, there are things that we can do 
But I think as we are sent, we do those things. We also at the same time pray. Anytime you're ready, ready, Lord, anytime, Holy Spirit, you're ready to do something beyond anything I could ever possibly dream of doing, sign me up. What are you talking about, Mark? Okay, go read the book of Acts. You know, those people show up in town. A guy like Paul shows up in town. He's there for like three days. He leaves and there's a whole new church that's turning things upside down in that town. Oh, and in the meantime, he's healed a couple of people, raised a dead person. Yep. That's a whole lot better than, right? There's no way he did that by digging a, 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 a hole in the ground and planting a flower. Nothing wrong with planting flowers, by the way, although in December in Michigan is probably not a good time to start. You might want to wait till May or June. Are you following me here? Yes. You're sent. You can do some stuff already. But at the same time, be ready, be willing, saying, Jesus, when you're ready to do something extraordinary beyond anything I could ever imagine, I'm ready for you to do it in me and through me. You have permission to blow my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're following Jesus, you are sent to have your minds blown. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay.